surprise. Bet you didn't expect to see me in your podcast feed. This is my Christmas present to you, an extra episode, a conversation that I had with Alicia Illion on perfection. Every December since I've started the show, I have released a sort of episode, a bonus episode during my break that I take from publishing in December and January, and uh, that's what I'm doing here. That's why you're hearing a podcast episode right now. Alicia wrote a book on perfection, but I also thought this was the perfect topic for us heading into a new year because the new year is traditionally the time when everyone decides this new person they want to be, new goals they want to set, they re-envision their life and reimagine what their, you know, their diet's going to be and how they're going to live and their schedule and we've all got goals and we've all got things we want to do better, want to change in the new year. And it's very easy to slip into uh, the belief that if we just changed enough things and if we just did things a little bit better, maybe we could just be a little more perfect, right? I know we've all fallen into that. I certainly have. It's a temptation every year because that's what we're sold by commercialism and you know, our social media feeds tell us if we just wake up earlier or lose more weight or eat this thing or drink this smoothie – we're going to be better. We're going to be better people. And so I think it's worth actually examining the idea of perfection and um, and also picking apart some of the common teachings and ideologies and, um, and, and things that we are seeing from influential voices in the world today and identifying why those are not where we should actually be placing our stock and our hope and should not be listening to them um, for guidance on how to be happier, live a fuller life, whatever. Um, so that's what we're talking about today. It's going to be great. I hope you're having a nice break. I hope you have enjoyed your Christmas time with family, whatever that looked like. And I hope that you are taking some time to kind of pull back from normal life, uh, in whatever way you can and just have a different season. You know, I think this has been so good for me um, to to not be publishing in December and January because it's allowed me to have the mental space to just not think about the podcast. And I know that we can't pull back from all of daily life uh, ever, but at least having some respite from maybe the craziness and even with COVID as disappointing as the year has been for a lot of us in a lot of different ways, it has afforded us more time. Um, in some capacity, uh, time with family, time away from activities we would normally be doing. And so for that, I'm really grateful. And um, I know that I'm going to come back from this break even more energized and focused than before. And that's the goal. That's the point of a break. But before I get into my conversation with Alicia, I want to let you know about something so, so exciting happening in 2021. I am joining together with a group of other Christian women, many of whom you probably already know or have heard of or have even heard on this podcast, and we have formed a group called Sola Sisters Co. And what we are doing in that group is we are reading through the Bible in a year with each other. Uh, We are using the Blue Letter Bible chronological reading plan where we will read through the entire Bible in a year chronologically. And uh, it's starting in January 1st. So that's the other thing I wanted to come in here and publish this episode to let you know about because I want as many of you as would like to, to join us in that reading. Um, Reading through the Bible in a year is not a new concept, obviously. Tons of people do it. There's tons of Bible studies and different, you know, you can buy a specific Bible even just to, to do this. There's tons of plans However, um, in my experience, when I have read through or or tried to read through the Bible in a year, um, I don't think I've ever made it through in exactly a year. I, I have made it through the Bible, but not, you know, not within the span of a year because it's just so hard to keep going when you don't have accountability, when you don't have, you know, someone else kind of going through that. It, it's a lot. I mean, it's not too much. It's not so much that it, it's impossible. It's just a lot to do on your own. And so I, I'm i excited for this group because I think it's going to give me the accountability 
and the encouragement to know that other women are reading the same scriptures that I am, wrestling through the same realities. There's a group of people to talk to. It's going to be so great. I'm very excited for this group. So what is that going to look like? You can join on one of two platforms or both if you want. Uh, we have a, an Instagram account at Sola Sisters Co. S-O-L-A Sisters Co. C-O. Uh, and then we have a Facebook group, which is linked in the profile of our Instagram. So you can request to join the Facebook group. You will be approved. There's some rules you have to read through and agree to abide by the group rules. And then you, um, you'll get added. The group is going to remain open until January 14th. And then it will be closed. It will be made private. We will not be adding more people after that time. And the reason is we want to have we want to have some um, some amount of accountability to women that we are reading through with. We don't want to kind of have people going in and out. We want this to be as committed as possible for the sake of helping us all stay really in God's word together. And so. Um, once we begin on January 1st, we will begin on January 1st, January 1st. Um, you will still have a couple weeks to invite people to come join you if you want to, to do that. And then we'll go private on January 14th. And then we will be in it for the rest of the year. And then throughout the year, every two weeks, two of the seven of us will join together on a live to discuss our observations, what we are learning, talking about what we've been reading. So it's not necessarily a teaching, it's more of just a live to discuss what we're going through, maybe what stood out to us, what we've struggled with, um, if there are questions, you know, we can do our best to kind of share um, our perspective um, and what we've found in scripture, but, you know, it's not uh, it's not a formal teaching necessarily. Um, and I do want to say that this is open to all denominations. So we are not making this a denominational type group. It's not, you don't have to be reformed. You don't have to be charismatic. You're not excluded if you are Catholic or any other denomination. It doesn't matter. We don't care. Even if you're like, I don't even know if I'm a Christian, you are welcome. Come read the Bible with us. That's, it's not about, you know, we're going to focus on majoring on the majors and minoring on the minors. So we are not going to be getting into debates on predestination and election. We are not going to um, have arguments over things that we don't need to divide over. We're going to read God's word together and dig into what his word says. And that's all we care about doing. We want to explore God's word in context. We want to read through it chronologically, we want to dive into the text. We will be sharing how we study individually. And we've got, you know, seven or eight women and seven women in here who all probably study differently, have different resources or methods or things that work for us. And so some of our, you know, suggestions may resonate with you more than others. And you might, you know, you might be able to share the things that you're doing with us and we can all grow and learn together. Um, and so, yeah, this is not based on denominations. And, and we, within this group of women, probably don't even all agree on all of the secondary issues, but we agree on the primary ones, which are, you know, the core doctrines of historic Christianity. And so um, we believe that in essentials, we should have unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. So if that sounds good and you want to read through the Bible in the year, in a year with us, come join us at Solar Sisters Co. Facebook and Instagram. The last thing I'll say is if you want to continue hearing from me in January while I am on break, you can do so by joining our Patreon community uh, as a Firestarters supporter for $10 a month, and you will be receiving bonus episodes every Friday for the rest of January in that group. So come join Patreon at patreon.com slash Kindled Podcast if you want to get those bonus episodes and uh, and keep hearing from Kindled in the time in, for the time being. And then those obviously continue as well once the podcast starts back up and it just gives you extra content. It's me and the mic for 15 to 30 minutes on cultural, social, political, and theological topics. And it's always biblically based and from a biblical Christian worldview. All right, here is my conversation with Alicia Ilian. Hi, Alicia. How are you? Hey. <laughs> Wait, did I pronounce your name right? Yeah, 
Okay, good. I was like, wait for a second. I'm like, is it Alicia? No. Okay. Um, How are you doing today? I am good. You know, it's funny because most people trip up on Ilian and they're like, how do you say that? And when it's written out with a capital I, it looks like three L's. So I'm always like, it's like Jillian without the J. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's funny. Cause I feel like that, that one's easier for me than the first. I'm like, cause some people are Alicia, some are Alicia. So, you know, which is I funny know. when I emailed you the link, uh, and you were like, Oh, I didn't get it yet. And I was like, Oh, I sent it. I went to look, I had sent it to Alisa Childers. So I was like, well, yeah, let's bring her on. I'd love to bring her, bring her again. So then I had to be like, oops, sorry. I'm not asking you to come on again right now. I'm trying to connect with someone else. Uh, I figured she'd be like, Oh, fine. Okay. You don't want me. Um, <laughs> Well, thanks for making time to chat today. Uh, I am really excited to have this conversation with you. Um, For those who don't know you, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us who you are and what you do, and then we'll kind of get into our topic. Yeah. So um, my name is Alicia Illian. We've covered that. Uh, I have three kids, age eight, 10, and 12. And so we're kind of in that sweet spot. Like they're old enough to dress themselves, bathe themselves, feed themselves, but they don't have the teen hormones yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of in a good stage, but we're really busy right now, just renting kids from practices. And, um, I feel, feel like I'm that carpool mom, um, all the time. So mm-hmm. it's fun. Um, I do ministry, I stay at home mom, but I also do ministry. That's where my heart is. So I've done, um, ministry at our local church. Um, and also I have a ministry group called women repurposed. And so I lead a team and we just, our aim is to give people the Lord and, um, encourage them, come alongside them to love God, learn truth and live transformed. So, um, I just wrote a book chasing perfect that was released in October. And so super excited about that. And yeah, it's kept me really busy, but, um, all good things and fruitful things. So I'm really thankful and grateful. That's really cool. Yeah. So you, you did write a book, uh, called chasing perfect, uh, which I have started to dig into. I have not finished it, but it has been so refreshing and just reorienting for my own heart on what is true as I've read it. So thanks for writing that. I'm sure that was a labor of love for you. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot of work, but, um, worth it. I had no idea the process that goes into writing a book. I mean, it's like a two-year commitment pretty much. So yeah. You better like your topic. Yeah, exactly. You get to know it really well. I really like that topic that you chose. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is perfection. And, uh, you know, this is something that we, as women, I think really, really struggle with this idea of perfection. What is perfection? We don't ever meet it where we feel, you know, always forever insufficient. And, um, and in fact, that's true. We are. And so we're going to talk about, uh, what a biblical versus a secular understanding of perfection is and kind of break down how those worldviews play out, how we can tell which worldview we're actually living by, um, and, and then just preaching the truth over that entire topic and reminding ourselves of, uh, what the Bible says about it. So kicking it off, can you give us a definition of what perfection is? Okay. Yes. So I'm going to preface it a little bit with uh, my answer here. So when I wrote the book, Chasing Perfect, um, what kind of, uh, started it was I had shared this mem a year and a half ago that, just kind of took off and went viral. And if you're on social media at all, you probably saw it or shared it. And it said this girl, read your Bible. You can eat all the kale, buy all the things, lift all the weights, take all the trips, trash all that doesn't spark joy, wash your face and hustle like mad. But if you don't rest your soul in Jesus, you'll never find peace or purpose. Um, and so I shared that and it just, it went crazy viral. And I always say like it, wasn't like the most insightful thing I've ever written. I didn't think, but for whatever reason, it resonated with women. Um, And I think it's because we're always chasing something more. We're looking for something better to satisfy us, to give us peace. And, um, and so it's interesting because I, I kind of had pushback on the line that reads, wash your face and hustle like mad. Mm, Um, I wonder why. Yeah. Because the Rachel Hollis elk, you know, they, they wanted to say there's, but there's nothing wrong with eating kale. There's nothing wrong with washing your face and hustling. Um, and 
And honestly, I agree with that. I mean, mm-hmm. I like a good Smoothie King mango kale smoothie. Yeah, um, I, I, I like know. going to Ulta and buying good face wash. Like, Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with necessarily um, ha- taking a nice vacation and lifting right. weights and doing that. I mean, that, those can be beneficial things. Um, and it's also a command by God to work hard and cheerfully mm-hmm. at all that you do um, as to the Lord. That's the key part right. and not merely to men. Um, so the point is actually kind of being missed. Um, yeah. it, the problem is if we're trying to do more and better and place our hope in those things, we won't find peace or purpose. Right. Um, so Haley, like, I know you did an entire episode on the theology of Rachel Hollis. Yes. And I encourage the listeners to go back and listen to that entire episode. It is so good. Was it, who is it with? Ann? Um, Ann Kennedy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but just to recap a little bit on like what you guys talked about, Rachel believes that happiness is found by reaching your ideal self. Yes. So th- there's potential in all of us and that we're created with potential. And right. if we don't live into that, we're going to be poor and miserable mm-hmm. and not live a happy, successful, um, peaceful, purposeful life. And To that, I say, well, there's some partial truth in it. You know, we were created for potential. I mean, that's true. But here's the thing, like what Spurgeon says, I'm always reminded of this. When we have discernment, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's Mm -hmm. knowing the difference between right and almost right. So we have to test those spirits, as it says in first John four, we have to test the spirits and see like what in this, this message is true Mm -hmm. and what is not true. Um, so the biblical worldview for perfection, to answer your question that you asked me, Mm -hmm. um, is, is different. It's, we were created for potential. Yes. But even in the garden of Eden, think about this in the garden of Eden, it, we think of it as this idealistic, perfect place, you know, but there was always this possibility for sin in the garden of Eden. It was unsullied, but it was incomplete. Adam and Eve were sinless, but they were not yet glorious. Mm -hmm. So we were always meant to be headed somewhere better. Mm-hmm. So I think we're hardwired to chase for something better, to chase for perfect, um, because we were hardwired to chase him, mm-hmm. to taste the right. perfection of Jesus. And that is the completeness of the new creation when we'll know him fully um, and we will be fully known. And so that's like innate in us to want to long for that. Um, but the problem is you know, what are we chasing? Is it the biblical worldview? Is it what God has created us to chase? Or are we, um, are we actually chasing what the world is telling us will make us fulfilled? Um, and what I thought was interesting when I was writing this book, um, there is a verse in Matthew five forty eight, and it says, be perfect as I am perfect. Mm-hmm. And at first glance, I'm like, uh, like that's not possible, right? Like, why would Jesus say that? Why would he say, Alicia, be perfect. Um, and I don't think he was like asking us to be ethical equals with God. If you go back and you look at the ancient world and the Greek word perfect in um, Matthew 5, 48, the word teleos actually means to live into the purpose with, for which you were designed. Mm. And I'm like, that's awesome. So he's not necessarily saying, hey, you have to be as perfect and moral and holy as God is. Because he's God. He knows we can't do that. Exactly. No, that's not even possible. Jesus was saying here, I want you to live into the purpose for which you were called. So there's that potential thing again. There's Mm -hmm. that wanting to chase something better that God's hardwired into us. Mm -hmm. So then that like leaves us with the question, well, what is that purpose? You know, what are we supposed to be chasing? What is the biblical worldview of perfection that we're supposed to be longing for and looking to? And Mm -hmm. we know that we were designed to reflect God, the Imago Dei, right? His image. But I believe this is more about, this is less about how we look and our personalities and more about our responsibility to glorify him. 
Like that is the purpose for which we were designed to. And that's where we're going to find our satisfaction and our peace. I love how you brought out what that word means that, you know, be perfect or in some translations, be holy as I'm holy. Is that the same? Is that the same verse that I'm thinking of? I don't know, actually. Is it different? It's Maybe Matthew it five forty eight. So in my Bible, it reads, be perfect as I am perfect. But I wonder if it is in some translations. I don't know. Uh, nope, never mind. Uh, that's first Peter one sixteen. be holy because I am holy. So never mind. Okay. So, so not the same. Yeah, so no. yeah, but that's really cool that you brought out that, that definite, that definition of what perfect actually meant, not mm-hmm. um, achieving the full standard of God's moral law and fulfilling it, which Christ came to do that because we can't, but, um, but living into the purpose for which you were created, which is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And right. so that is really cool. Um, that's just, it's so helpful to understand the actual meaning of the words, which is why we really need to like be in our Bibles and read them and have a study Bible and, and be able to, to find out what those words even mean in context. Um, so comparing that with, you know, what we see from the secular worldview. And like you mentioned, I did do a full episode on the theology of Rachel Hollis already, but we're going to use her as an example because she is totally the poster child of this worldview right now, just for women who are, you know, really 18 to 60, I would say, have probably heard of her, are probably maybe following her on social media or have maybe heard about her book or whatever. And, and she's just personifying this entire worldview of kind of perfection. You can achieve it. I mean, She's, mm-hmm. you know, everyone who follows her on social or who has ever followed her before on social has seen, you know, that she is this crazy runner, this amazing athlete. Um, Thank you so much. Latte delivery. Uh, it, it, this amazing athlete. She runs, you know, seven and eight miles like every other day and she takes videos and she looks awesome and she's fit in you know, and pretty and has extensions and fake lashes and just all the things like she kind of is embodying like what we would be like, oh my gosh, like she is that girl. I, I want to be that girl. You know, I kind of wish I was more like her, like, man, oh, I guess if I just worked harder, if I just kind of Rachel Hollis it, but by the bootstraps, like maybe I could just kind of get over myself and, and just wake up earlier and just be more intense and just be better at life. Like she just kind of has this no BS attitude and she doesn't take BS from anyone. Um, and, and part of me like likes that, you know, part of me is like, yeah, that's aspirational. That's kind of what I want. I want to be more like that. I want to be more like, you know, take no prisoners. Um, but can we like, can we examine, you know, that in comparison to what you just laid out? Because I bet a lot of people are listening, like, you know, maybe some people are like mocking, like, well, I don't want to be like her, but if you're honest with yourself, there's absolutely a part of you that, that, you know, aspires to be better, quote unquote, or be more perfect in whatever capacity. Maybe it's, you know, eating better, losing weight, looking a certain way, having a certain home, living in a certain neighborhood, whatever it might be, your kids going to a certain school, whatever that thing is, you know, like, can we kind of compare her worldview with what you just described? Mm, Yeah. She's like this idealistic version of who we want to be. Right. And in some ways that is inspiring. I mean, even her, you know, vulnerability at times to like show her mommy stretch marks and Mm -hmm. be real about like, I think she had like Bill's palsy one time or something like that. And so like, that's even endearing that, oh, she's willing to share the parts that aren't quote unquote perfect. But here's what I think is interesting, Haley, is that often, because it's kind of trendy right now to be messy, you know, to like be authentic and transparent, stuff like that, but not to the point where it makes us look inadequate. Like it's a calculated vulnerability. So just enough to make her look endearing, you know, so that makes us even go, okay, well, that's even more idealistic. Like I can also be authentic and, Mm -hmm. and whatever, but like, but when it makes us look inadequate to go, you know what, I am fallen, I am sinful and I need God and I'm not the hero of my own story anymore, then that changes the whole thing. And we know deep down inside, I think we all know that we're not enough. 
Right, I mean, right. people can tell us all day long, you know, you're enough, you're, you are enough, but ultimately we know that we aren't because, um, no one is perfect. No, you know, we've all fallen short and, you know, I can't just pat myself on the back enough to make myself feel that like, I am going to do this perfectly right. in life. And so, right. um, it's an exhausting message to feel like you got to measure up to that expectation that, you know, we're hearing all over the place that, you know, you're enough and you can. So like her whole thing is like, just keep trying harder. You know, like end of the day, just keep trying harder and you'll get there. You'll get to your ideal self and here, let me just model it for you in every way. Um, But, you know, if you read the Bible at all, (laughs) um, you quickly see that that wasn't the message of Jesus. Like his message was actually that we need to deny ourselves, that we should lose ourselves, that we should take up our cross. If we want to find peace and joy and satisfaction to, to find life then we need to be willing to lose our life here on earth. Um, and I think of the message of Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Mm-hmm. And so our potential and our perfection our ideal self is now to live in Christ and for Christ. Well, that that's not her message. Her message is she's the no. hero of the story, right? Not Be the hero not of your Christ. own story, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And Christ is like awesome. your cheerleader. He's not essential. Uh, exactly. Yeah, and that's an exhausting message because yeah. you know I know I'm not good enough um, in, in and of myself right. ever. You know I fall short all the time. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, And and I mean, like I just bounced back to what I said earlier, just so everyone's clear, you know, I don't think neither Alicia nor I are saying any one of the aspects of Rachel Hollis's life are inherently sinful necessarily. Like it's not wrong to get eyelash extensions. It's not wrong to have hair extensions or to go tanning or to go running. I mean, it might be wrong to go to a tanning bed because that causes (laughs) cancer. So don't do that. Use some good self tanner, but um, it's not, it's not bad to run marathons. It's not bad to work out. Like none of these things in and of themselves are bad. They're actually good and advisable. You know, drink kale smoothies. It's good for you. We eat, we eat like crap a lot of days. Like we need some more vegetables in our life. But if that is what you think, because, and, and this is where it gets into her worldview and her, um, when you, when you hear her actually talk about what she believes happens when she goes to heaven is that she's going to meet the best version of herself that she could have ever been. And what she wants to happen, the goal is that she looks that person in the eyes and goes, I'm you. Mm. Like, I am you. I am the best person that I could have been. And then I meet the best, you know, I meet perfect Rachel or perfect Haley. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's me. Like, there I am. It's, I mean, because she is her own God. And in this worldview, you become your own God. You aspire to be perfect because you have to, you're worshiping yourself and we all want to worship something that is perfect, someone that is perfect. So what, I mean, she actually is pretty consistent in her worldview, to be honest, um, in the fact that like, she is really seeking and searching and pushing hard for that perfection. So she can worship herself in spirit and in truth, um, as the perfect being that she wants to be when she meets herself one day. But the problem is like, She's and the the only reason we're talking about Rachel Hollis right now is because she does use the name of Christ and Jesus and 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 kind of purport herself to be a Christian influencer or a Christian voice and she tries to really kind of cross over into that mainstream from mainstream pop culture to Christian subculture you know and and so it's important for us as believers to go no that what you're teaching, like, I'm not going to speak to your salvation. I don't know if you're a Christian or not. I'm not going to tell anybody I know your heart, but what you are teaching and preaching is absolutely not the gospel. And it is not biblical. Like these are not the teachings of Christ. These are not what we see God telling us to aspire to. That's not what we're going to, that's not what we're going to encounter when we get to heaven. It says we're going to be judged before a perfect and holy and righteous God who's law and word we fell short of every day of our lives and who's going to be covering our account when we come up short who's who's going to get our back with you know the wallet of eternal 
uh, financial support, which is Christ, like not, and not in the financial sense, but I mean, in the morality and perfection and I, oh, wow. I came up way short and I have to get out of line and go to hell. I mean, like, sorry for being so brazen, but it's like, it's not like, oh, okay, go ahead and go back to your car and grab your wallet and go, you know, go get your, go get what you need. You will have nothing. And so I'm sorry for being like a little harsh there, but it's, it is that harsh. Like it, that's what we actually see is going to happen. Everyone stands before God has to give an account for how they lived. And only those of us who can point to Jesus and say, I failed, I didn't measure up, but I put my hope in him. Like he's the one I'm going to point to him at the right hand of God and say, he's the one that I hoped in. He's the one who I banked my eternity on. And I have no hope, but for him. Absolutely. And, and that is it. Like there is no other hope. And and it's just so heartbreaking when you realize that people like Rachel and and her millions of followers are, you know, are are really just so distorted and backwards and inside out. Um, and it's all over being almost right. Like you said, it's not it's not that everything is wrong, it's just that they're almost right is just the same thing as, you know, as completely missing it. So, um, it's just really sad. And, and that's why we're taking the time to talk about what perfection really is for the believer and where we see perfection. Oh yeah. I want to take a quick second to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode prep dish. If you're listening to this show, you are likely a busy mom who has to figure out what your family is eating for dinner tonight. You guys have heard me talk about this before. And honestly, I have never been one for meal planning, much less meal prepping. But Prep Dish is changing that for me and my family. It's my new secret weapon for healthy, stress-free meals. When you sign up, you'll receive an email every week with a done-for-you grocery list and instructions for prepping your meals ahead of time. You'll do your chopping and mixing ahead of time, leaving you with zero decisions to be made at dinner. So for example, this week, a couple of the meals that I prepped to make for my family are flank steak salad with roasted sweet potatoes and chicken with peanut dipping sauce, sesame broccoli, and brown rice. You've heard me say it before. My complaint with meal planning is what if I don't feel like eating that thing that night? Well, with prep dish, that is no longer a problem because I can pick from any of the prepared meals that are in my fridge ready to go. And guys, listen to this. The founder, Allison, is offering listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You cannot beat that. Check out PrepDish.com slash Kindled for this amazing deal. PrepDish has gluten-free, paleo, and keto options. Again, that is PrepDish.com slash Kindled for your first two weeks free. That is plenty of time to try it out and see if it's going to make your afternoons and evenings less hectic and less stressful and more delicious. So transitioning, well, first off, do you want to respond to anything I said before I kind of move? <laughs> no, I'm just shaking my head going, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that is an exhausting message to think it's all on us. You know, our righteousness yeah, is yeah. like filthy racks. Our righteousness, that means the right, best right. that we can do um, will we'll not even come close to the perfection that God requires. And that's why we can rest our souls. You know, that's why Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. He was talking to the self-righteous Pharisees that thought they could do it all and be it all. And, and he was like, that's, you know, living up to all the standards that the law and the traditions that you added to it have put upon you is an exhausting way to live. And here we are once again, walking down that same secular path of thinking that somehow um, our good enough will be good enough. And it just won't. So that's why Jesus said, my way will give you rest because your goodness will be my goodness. You know, when, when God sees you, he will see the perfection of me, of Jesus. So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we can move on. Well, no, I mean, we, we could camp out on that the whole day, but I do have other questions I want to ask you. Um, so where do we actually see perfection in the biblical worldview? How should we understand perfection? What is our, like, uh, what, what, what is a, a right view of what perfection is? Well, kind of like what I said earlier, I think we have to understand what God is calling us to. Um, he's calling us to live into the purpose for which we were designed, you know, that teleos idea, 
Um, so, you know, when he's asking for us to live into perfection, he is asking us to actually follow Christ, to, to reflect him, um, to give him glory um, in all that we do. So all those things that, like you said, aren't necessarily bad things like, you know, eating the kale and, and taking the trips, you know, your relationships that you have with, you know, your spouse and your neighbors and your kids and all the things of daily activity, the responsibilities that we have, how can we do those unto the glory of God and with the mission that he's called us to. And we know as, you know, new covenant believers that, you know, we have this mission to go and, and share the gospel and teach, teach those, you know, of the gospel and, um, to train those in the faith. And so we can do those in all sorts of different ways. And we Mm -hmm. do that for his glory and not for our own. And when we do that, you know, that we like, we rely on his sufficiency and his provision and not on our own ability, Mm -hmm. um, to perform. Um, and so, yeah, so I think we can do that without feeling stressed and, um, and, you know, exhausted burdened right yeah and where the world's message like um you know those who are secular and kind of have a worldly mindset uh like rachel uh where their message is be perfect you know uh our message is you can't be perfect but look who is like christ is perfect he was he fulfilled the law he lived a perfect and sinless life and the gospel is that he died on the crossroads again so that now you can be reunified with god because by the way remember you're not perfect and you have literally failed every standard god set for you and you cannot help but fail i mean and and it's just so it's so tragic because when you look at someone's life like rachel and i feel bad we're picking on her because she she's actually having a really hard time um you know she's going through a divorce like she's uh you know she's really struggling and she's kind of started to I mean I've seen her share a little bit about about that and just the challenges but I know a lot of her followers felt duped and lied to frankly I wasn't actually surprised I mean I was like man like there you go pull back the curtain and there's what you really see as a rotting inside it's it's a the whitewashed tomb because without christ that's who we all are and and you and i know like if she's not putting her hope in christ like of course her life is actually miserable like even if she tells herself every day like i love this i love getting up at 5 a.m and running you know i'm like girl no you don't you hate it i know (laughs) i know you're lying and we can lie to ourselves and long enough that we actually start to believe those lies but um anyway but uh, you know, I look at her life and I'm just like, man, just the, the tragedy of, of living for something other than, you know, that, which can actually fulfill that, which can actually bring joy and bring meaning to your life. Um, and I think you saw an interview with, uh, her and Matthew McConaughey that you, you were kind of telling me about, and I would love to hear what you saw revealed in that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's interesting. I haven't read her book that was just released, but I think it was called I've heard it's the same as the first coming one. or something oh, like that. Yeah, I haven't read that. And I wanted to be like, actually, I did see this coming. <laughs> Yes, I did. <laughs> you know, too. like we did, because when you have this this worldview um, that's ruling your life and dictating your life, yeah, we know that this is not going to lead to to joy. It's hard enough as it is when we're living in the flesh and we're following Jesus and we're in His Word. Um, I mean, the world's full of all sorts of problems, but then you add to it a worldview like that, and you know, you're right. setting yourself up for failure, really. But um, yeah, so I thought it was interesting. Last week, um, I listen to a clip of an interview she had with Matthew McConaughey. And I didn't listen to the whole um, interview, but I did listen to this clip. And basically they were going back and forth about how um, when you reach like all of your goals and you've accomplished, you know, the epitome of everything. And we know like both Matthew McConaughey and Rachel Hollis have been um, very successful. Yeah. I mean, Matthew McConaughey has been a successful actor. He's made a lot of money. He's got this book, new book that's coming out. He was probably mm-hmm. one of the, you know, most gorgeous men, mm-hmm. you know, to walk the face of the earth, you know, I'm sure. But like he has reached this level of success that so many people look to and go, oh, if I could just be that person or do those things and I'll be happy. And same thing with Rachel, you know, she talks about yeah. how, you know, she sold all of these books and, you know, she's this, you know, business mogul and she's made all this money and she's had all these things. And, um, and yet both of them were talking about how ultimately like they reach this and then it's like, well, what's next, you know? And, and so I was just waiting to hear what they would say and neither one of them had a great answer. It was just like, well, 
you know, it just leaves you with more questions, you know, and it just, it just causes you to, you know, think through things differently because now that you've experienced this. And so then you can just, you know, aim for something more and something better. And it really kind of saddened me because I was like, man, like even in, honestly, if, if I was looking, if I was listening to this interview Mm -hmm. and I didn't have hope in Christ, that would have really left me sad and hopeless because, you know, that's what your hope, that's what you're placing your, your hope in is people that have made it. And you're thinking, man, if I can just reach that level, then somehow I'll be happy. But they're saying, no, it it doesn't, you don't get there and you don't find this level of happiness and you still want to achieve more and do more and be better. And that just really made me just sad for them. Um, but not surprising. It wasn't surprising. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. We saw it coming, you know, you could almost write like a a blog post response to the book and be like, well, I did see it coming, Rachel. And here's all the reasons why. Um, it made me think of, I don't know if you've seen the show alone. Uh, It's on Netflix. I, I don't have it anymore, but I used to watch it. And it's this show where they drop off like 10 people in, in the wilderness with like 10 items and they have to survive as long as they can on their own. So they get to pick their items like a tent or a, uh, or not, I'm sorry, not a tent, a tarp, you know, a, like something to start a fire, you know, a fishing pole, whatever they want to have. And so these people are survivalists, like this, this is their, their expertise, they're trained and ready and prepared for this. And so they drop them off and everyone's, you know, has to build their own shelter, find their own source of food, find water. Um, and they're in like really harsh environments like uh, Vancouver Island, which is very cold, very extreme weather. And so you're watching the show and you're watching people, you know, try and figure out how to survive, how to catch fish wherever they're at, or what, you know, how to trap a mouse and trap a rabbit. And you're watching them just learn how to try to survive. And there's this like, you know, do or die. Like I've got to, I've got to conquer this wilderness. I've got to learn how to survive here, become part of the landscape and really like thrive in this environment. And once people do, like there's people that drop out right on, right, you know, first day because they hear a bear and they're freaked out or whatever. But like then, yeah, that'd be me for sure. But also I'm like, bro, what did you think would be there? Why did you like, why did you do this? But, um, but like, so there's people that leave and then, but the ones that, you know, finish that, that keep going and make it a really long time, once they finally figure out how to live there and they finally kind of figure everything out they're getting food, they're getting water, they're surviving, they're kind of, they're winning the game. Now they just have to survive the longest. They lose motivation. And they, once it, once the challenge is gone, like once the challenge has been conquered and they've kind of figured out, now I know how to get fish. I go to bed, I wake up, I hunt, I go to sleep. There's, I've, I've met all the challenges and now it's just time. They lose complete interest and they leave and go home. And it's the, and then it's a mental game because the, the one who wins is the one who can survive in this like drudgery of like, of having already conquered the challenge the longest, because we are as humans, like we are geared to want to, you know, achieve and do and, and overcome. And once we figure that out, we're just really bored. And we're like, wait, give me something better. And they're all like, you know, I've got a life back at home. I've got my kids back at home. I'm, what am I doing here? They're like, I figured it out. I conquered it. Now I showed myself I can do it. Forget about the money. I'm going home because it just shows that it's not, it's not enough. Like the, the idea of whatever we give ourselves to conquer, to overcome, once we do that, we're left kind of empty and, and with, without meaning because we are created to live for something bigger than ourselves or bigger than accomplishing that next big thing or goal or winning that paycheck, whatever it is. And this is like a hundred thousand dollars or something that would change their lives, but they don't care because they want meaning. And so they can't find meaning in just overcoming and conquering every day. They, they just, they leave. And so it just has been, it's been interesting to think about, that in relation to like how we often live our lives as though, you know, and I mean, I do this like, oh, well, you know, 
the next, you know, let's let, we got to think about the next house project. How do we keep making this house better and better and better and perfect and more perfect? And, or how do we move on up in neighborhood or, uh, you know, move up in, in the career ladder or make more money or get more clients or lose more weight or buy better clothes, like whatever it is. And that's where I'm brought back to like the memory of your, you know, your meme that you wrote that went viral because, uh, you can do all those things, but how did you end it? If you don't, have yeah, Jesus. Or- yeah. If you don't rest your soul in Jesus, you'll never find peace or purpose. And it sounds so simple it and is. basic, right. right? but it's something that honestly we wrestle through every single day. And I think even as seasoned, you know, mature believers that yeah. have the knowledge of the truth, we still have to keep coming back to, okay, what am I believing about God? What am I believing about myself and what matters and what is meaningful? And, you know, who is my provision? Who is my sufficiency? Who is my enough? And remind ourselves of those truths every single day. I had um, actually wrote out on a little piece of paper and I stuck it in my Bible and on my mirror and in my car. And I just wrote on it, make a daily decision to trust Jesus is enough. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, sometimes it's even like, Cause I'm just this person that's like, okay, well I've got it moving on, but you know, it says in Isaiah in returning and rest will be your strength. And so I think it's this like, not even day by day, but sometimes moment by moment decision to remember and remind yourself of that truth. Um, because it's the faith walk, it's a journey of faith. And in our flesh, we're going to be somewhat weak and we're going to, we're bombarded by the world and the message of the world all the time. And it's always going to be vying for that place in our heart and the idol on our, in our heart. And so we just have to keep reminding ourselves. We haven't necessarily failed by just repenting and turning back to Jesus, but you know, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Even that, even in the faith journey, he is the one that gives us the ability to walk it out. And so uh, instead of getting disheartened by the fact that I'm still battling this desire for more and better every single day and this need in my flesh, you know, but just to remind myself of the truth of what really does satisfy. Yeah. That's such a great reminder. And it is that simple, but it's so hard to do in the, (laughs) you know, in the moment, moment by moment realities of our lives and and the difficulties that we walk through as women, as mothers, as human beings, like whether it is an issue with your kid or your parents or your family or your husband or your friends. I mean, there's so many frontiers that we are constantly encountering challenges and, you know, questioning, okay, like, am I going to find my hope here? Am I going to find my identity here? And I mean, I'm just thinking of things that have happened in my last 24 hours, um, even with just relationships where I'm like, what if that person doesn't like me? What if they don't, you know, what if they don't accept me? What if they never, you know, want to be my friend again? What if they reject me? Like all these things. And it's like, I have to point back to that very simple truth that you wrote down, um, make the daily decision that Jesus is enough. Like, it doesn't mean I'm going to give up on those things or give up on those relationships or, or say that they don't matter or put myself first, which is actually what Rachel would do. She would say, right. get anybody out of your life who doesn't, you know, tell you to put you first, like, you know, get those toxic people out of here. Well, that's just not a biblical idea at all. I mean, there's absolutely a time and a place where there's needs to be boundaries. And if people are abusive, that's different. But, um, but I mean, her definition of toxic is like, hard (laughs) or, uh, you know, does not worship me as I worship me, which is, you know, center of my universe. And so, um, yeah, I mean, just even in, in relationships, we can, we can look to that reality and go like, Jesus is enough. And he, he was perfect. So I don't have to be, even if I'm struggling, like I, like you said, like you can go back to him and you can bring that situation, that need and be honest and say like, I'm struggling here. I don't have the answers. I don't feel like I can do this. I don't know where to go from here. I keep failing. Like I need your help and I need your grace and I can't do this without you. And that is like, that is a Christian life in a nutshell. I mean, it's not just like mountaintop after mountaintop. It's more like valley after valley after valley. Like Mm -hmm. that's like valley upon valley is the Christian life. I mean, there's a few mountaintop moments but they're not what personify or really define. Like when you look back at your walk as a believer, are those the moments that you really think of? 
like not for me it's actually like my lowest points where I look back and see God the the biggest and the grandest in my memory you know of like wow that's when I really saw him like Mm-hmm. clearly that's when I really knew who he was the best and it's like I want to get back to that you know not that I want to suffer but that's often mm-hmm. how he does his best work you know yeah I always say his deliverance is in his presence so anything that he does that causes us to turn back to him and give us and I, I think I said this in the book when God doesn't have your attention he will often disturb the things that do and I and I say that because he wants us to remember that our joy and satisfaction are found in him alone and so sometimes he will allow these things in our life um these thorns like you know Paul had the valleys like you're talking about because it causes us to depend on him and um I, I had a pastor once tell me, if dependence is the goal, then weakness is the advantage. And I'm like, wow, that is good. You know, that's good because as believers, dependence should be our goal. Yeah. Um, dependence on Christ. So anything that's is a weakness in our life um, is actually something that is a, a blessing from God if it reminds us that He is near and that He is present and that He is our our hope. And so, um, yeah. that's so, so good. Yeah. It reminds me of the verse for, for when I'm weak, that I am strong. I mean, and it's, it's not meaning I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like I can, you know, I can climb those stairs. I can do that. It's not like, that's not what that means. It means that no matter what he brings our way, we can do it through him because of him in him, not, you know, you're strong, go you like you're a superhero or whatever, but um, really it actually points to our, to our weakness, like you just said, and that being an advantage. And that's such a beautiful way to think about that and understand that and changes our perspective. I think on a lot of what we experience that, like, what if I stopped viewing all my weaknesses and my shortcomings as flaws and things I need to work out of my life and started like seeing how God has lovingly and graciously gifted me my specific weaknesses and shortcomings. And and I'm not saying sin, but like the, the areas of myself that I maybe feel are the hardest to, to deal with. And, and that I constantly am having to just ask for help with, whether that's like patience or identity or whatever the things I'm struggling with, like, what if he's given those to me? Because that's exactly what I needed to see him the best. What that's exactly the window through which he's going to allow me to see him the most clearly, you know, and and that is, you know, something for me that I, I need to be reminded of because that's not how I feel about those weaknesses or, or shortcomings on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. So I think about the story of Jacob and how he wrestled with God and God took his hip out of place when they were wrestling together. And so, and that's when he changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And so when he, after they had wrestled, he probably spent the rest of his life with a limp. Mm-hmm. But the more I thought about that, I'm like, God gave him this limp so that he would constantly be reminded of his need and dependence upon God. And that was something that he put placed upon him. Um, and so like, what is our limp? What is the thing that like, like you said, that struggle that we continue to have to deal with every day. And we're just so tired of like, God, I'm so tired of struggling with this. Like, yeah. Come yeah. on now, you know, like strengthen my faith enough so I don't have to struggle, but maybe he's intentionally um, allowing those things in our life, um, the hard things so that we do, so that we are reminded that he is, he is there and he is enough. So, um, absolutely. And I, and I think that that's, that's a good thing. That's something that we need to be reminded of, um, on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, there was one other thing in your book that I I did want to just chat about for a second. And you gave this example of a pastor who had renounced uh, his faith in Christianity because it quote unquote, doesn't work. And you said that, um, that, you know, it was sobering for you because like many of us do look at our faith uh, or Christianity as a system and um, you see this a lot within prosperity churches, but I think you even see this in, in churches that are preaching the gospel, like, and just in the hearts of individuals, because we kind of have this, like, I don't know, we have, we have this idea that if we, if we live a life that's glorifying to God and we do all the right things and we serve in childcare and we, you know, have kids and we read them Bible stories and, you know, do all the things we think we should be doing as good Christian moms and women, 
that, you know, we're going to work the system. Like it's a little MLM. We're going to get our good results, our good outcomes. We're going to get our little commission check, our little bonus at the end of the month based on what our sales were and how great and successful we were. And, and then when that doesn't happen and when we suffer, which Jesus promises that we'll, we will have in this life, um, we are like, well, what the heck God, like, why, what did I do wrong? Like I'm, I'm doing the works like Bob Wiley. And, uh, what about Bob? I'm doing the works. I'm baby stepping. Like, come on, <laughs> give me a break. Like, uh, and I, but it's funny because it's sad because it's, we actually do think that a lot of times. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of like get your thoughts on that whole situation and, and why a man who was a pastor, I don't know if he had a big church or not, but, how a pastor even, and like could have believed that Christianity was literally just a system by which to get through life or get rewarded. I mean, like, can you talk about that? (laughs) Yeah. And once again, I think it's just a basic like misunderstanding of the message of the Bible and the message of the gospel in general, what God's called us to. Um, And yeah, it's surprising that someone you feel like is a trusted pastor teacher would be so confused over what Jesus is actually saying. We're living our life for kingdom come or we're aliens, we're strangers, you know, we're not promised to have um, abundance as far as worldly abundance in this life. You know, we're promised to have spiritual riches, you know, we're promised for kingdom come, not for, for now. And sometimes, yes, sometimes we will have blessings in this life, but that's not the guarantee. The guarantee is that you're going to experience trials and, um, and go through hard things. I mean, gosh, if we, if we place that upon Paul, then God must've hated Paul, right? (laughs) Because the system didn't work for Paul. And, you know, you know, Paul did so many amazing things. He had such strong faith. We know that, um, God had called him and, and same with the, the apostles and disciples that, you know, were, um, obviously all are all martyred for their faith or persecuted for their faith. And so, um, I, I don't think we can view it that way, even in light of just the people that God had, um, used and called and, and, we know what he loved. I mean, John the Baptist, um, Jesus said he was like the greatest man to walk the, the, or be born of of a woman. And here he was beheaded, you know, for his faith. And so I, you know, it just doesn't even hardly make sense. And so that's why I think we have to be really careful about the people that we listen to and follow. And obviously the word of God should be our ultimate standard all the time. We've got to be immersed in God's word and not just, you know, a scripture a day to keep Satan away, like actually reading the Bible, you know, like from cover to cover and getting a study Bible and digging in and learning it. And it's hard, you know, some of those, you know, books, especially in the old Testament are difficult to understand, but it all fits together. And we got to read in context and understand exactly because it's so easy to cherry pick verses and go, okay, well, this is what it says. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you know, all things work together for good, or, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, if you don't know the context, you're going to take it out of, uh, out of context. So, um, you know, I, I think that once again, that's just a reminder that pastors, you know, they're not always, you know, saying the, we hope, we hope that they have a good grasp on what they're teaching, but it isn't always the case. So I think, um, ultimately you, we have to, we have to ask, you know, how do we define good results or a system that works? Um, I, you know, what does that mean? Define the terms, you know, if, if you're saying uh, a system that works means earthly success, and no problems, then, you know, that's not, that's not what's in the Bible. If you, if the system works means that, you know, your life will go well for you. Well, we don't, we don't see that as the case in scripture. So I, I think that's really important. And another thing that I think is um, something that just, I feel like I've been learning lately is, um, you know, there's been times in my life where I've gone, okay, well, Jesus, you said that you would give me peace, but I don't feel peace. So what's up with that, God? You know, like you said that I wouldn't be anxious, but I'm still dealing with anxiety. I'm in the word of God all the time. You know, I'm, you know, doing all the things, but I still, I still feel a little empty. Like, what am I missing? And I've asked myself that before, but what I've, what I've been learning lately is that what I'm doing is I'm trying to take God and make him my self-help in a sense. Yeah, like yeah. I'm wanting him to fill my um, selfish desires and needs instead of looking to Jesus just for the sake of Jesus and letting him be satisfying. Mm -hmm. Um, I am looking for him to make me satisfied in my heart 
for the sake of the blessing and not for the blesser, (laughs) Um, for the, for the giver instead of, or for the gift instead of the giver. And so that's just, um, I need a whole new heart, a whole new paradigm shift, a whole new reorientation of what I long for and what I desire instead of going, I just want my needs met. You know, I don't want to feel empty anymore. I don't want to, you know, I want to have peace. Those are good things to long for. But like, if we're not just seeking Jesus for Jesus, we're probably going to be, we're probably going to be left feeling a little bit empty. Yeah. As you were talking, I was like, you know, it's not quite prosperity gospel, what you just described, but it's almost like gospel for prosperity, you know? So it's not like the traditional, like, you know, God is going to bless you and he wants you to have health and wealth no matter what. And you can just, you can claim the blessing. You have to believe, you have to pay, you have to, you know, do all these things, like meet all these, you know, uh, standards or requirements, but it's more like, no, I believe in the gospel. I believe in God, but, but I want that. And then it's, it's all about the motive, right? Like the heart behind maybe why you're reading your Bible and like, okay, but I'm, I'm checking the boxes. I'm doing the things I'm baby stepping. God, where is it? Where's the peace? Where's the, right. where's the, you know, the nearness. I need to feel your nearness instead of just like, and, and in those times, maybe it's like, you know, he's like, no, Alicia, like you need to just let me be enough and let me decide what me being enough is because right. what you're demanding is a different outcome. You're demanding yeah that you have a different set of circumstances or that I change something for you when the reality is that there is no promise that our circumstances get changed anywhere yeah. in the Bible um, in order for God to fulfill what he promises, which is peace that surpasses understanding. And so, like you said, he must've really hated Paul and the disciples. Right. And, and in that case, like I can see why the world would, would say God is an unloving, hateful father because like, because his children experienced a lot of suffering. Like Christians were, you know, um, were, were killed in ancient Rome, the Roman empire, uh, for, for fun and sport and fed to the lions. And I mean, this is what they did in the Colosseum. And it's like, what kind of a God would let his followers and let his, his, the people who loved him and gave their lives for him, what kind of a God would let his people suffer that way? The kind of a God who doesn't, you know, doesn't need circumstances to be, uh, to be for us what he can be, which is all sufficient. And like you said, the system is not give me that, that piece right now. It through a different set of circumstances here on earth, that, that system quote unquote, which I hate to even use the word in that way, but is like eternal life has been secured. Uh, this exactly. world, like who can touch you? Why do you fear man when he can, you know, he can hurt you. He can throw your body, but who can like, who has power over the soul? And that I'm mangling some Bible verse there. I don't know the reference. Um, but you know, that's again, like may sound a little fruity, like to people who are like, well, that doesn't really, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that doesn't really speak to where I'm at right now. And it's, and I guess the answer is like, yes, it does. (laughs) You know, it just doesn't say the answer that you want right now, which is, well, but how do I get out of this hard circumstance? Well, I don't know. Maybe you don't, maybe you don't, you know, um, there's not, there's no promise that you get out of that, that hard circumstance. And that's, that's hard. But, um, I I think that's where we just rely, we have to rely on the fact that like God is God and we are not, and our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. Um, and we have to trust that he has a purpose and that he is good. Like in Narnia, you know, he is not safe but he is good. Mm. You can trust that like, I'm not safe in the hands of God in the sense that like it, my physical body won't be harmed or that, you know, I won't be like hated or mocked or even murdered for my faith, depending on where you live in the world. Um, but I'm safe eternally because he is good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like, it, it reminds me of the verse that says that you will go through the fire, but I'm going to be with you through the fire. So once again, he's not always promising. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he delivers us through the fires, but sometimes he actually calls us to walk through them. And he says, I'm Mm going to be with you um, in the midst of it. And and we got to trust him um, for that. And I think that's why Paul said, you know, in Philippians that like he counted all things as loss um, compared to, to knowing Christ as Lord. And so all these things of the world, all the things that we think are going to be a benefit for us from the system or whatever, it, 
you know, his whole perspective was all otherworldly, you know, like it was all spiritual. Like, you know, he's like, this is just fleeting this. We're just passing through. Like, we've got to remember, like we are living for a different place, a different home. And so our perspective should change. And, and you're right. We're not going to always know the things that God has planned and purposed. And, you know, with our finite minds, we're not going to get why he allows certain things in our lives and calls us to walk through certain valleys and have certain struggles. And he will, I mean, he promises that. So we've got to understand that when he calls us to be faithful through that and to depend on him, that he will take care of us. That is the promise. He will, um, in the end, for eternity, our souls, like you said, will be secure and he will right all wrongs and he will wipe every tear away and he will, um, he will make all things perfect and complete in the end, in the new creation. And so that's our hope. That's our longing. Um, and that's where we anchor ourselves into. Uh, so good. And so, uh, needed that, that needed reminder, Alicia, thank you so much for pointing us back to truth. And, uh, I would definitely encourage everyone listening to get her book chasing perfect. Um, you will hear everything kind of that we've been talking about in that book, just broken down and like really dissected a lot more. And it's just going to really encourage you. Uh, where can people connect with you online? So my website is aliciaillian.com or it's also womenrepurposed.com. Uh, so you can find me there. And then also my social handle is at aliciaillian, I-L-A-L-I-S-H-A-I-L-L-I-A-N. Perfect. Well, we got to get another Mexican date on the calendar at some point. <laughs> Did Chewy's go out of business like all together? Okay. Uh, uh, I think that one went out. It's depressing. I don't understand. It was so good. Yeah. Um, Alicia lives in Kansas, just a few hours away from me, and I'm in Kansas too. Uh, we both like Mexicans, so we will have to try again next time. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Alicia. All right, guys, I hope you have a great rest of your winter break. Come find us at Sola Sisters Co. uh, if you want to read through the Bible in 2021 with us. Um, And come find me on Instagram at HaleyWilliams.Kindled. And until February, uh, have a great rest of January. It's not even January yet, but okay. Love you guys. Bye.